Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. Hope you're having a great day. And um, I just wanted to let you remind you about our Easter schedule. We will not be having our encounter service, our first Wednesday service on the, uh, Wednesday, um, but we will be having Good Friday service, which is Stations of the Cross. I was raised Catholic. It's not like I stopped being Catholic or anything like that. But one of the cool things that Catholics do is Stations of the Cross. So if you've never done it before, let me encourage you. It's a really good way to get focused in on what Jesus is doing on the cross, what he's doing in redemption. Uh, we put a kind of a, you know, uh, you know, Jesus loves you, a twist on it that might be a little bit different, but it's phenomenal. It'll happen on Good Friday. Then our, we got uh, uh, Easter eggs. I have no idea what they have to do with Easter, but we do them anyway. And then uh, we've got um, Easter, and we've got three services, and they're happening at all kinds of weird times, so please check it out. Um, we just got back from our men's retreat. Yeah, yeah, we got back from our men's retreat. We, we did a lot of things that we probably shouldn't have done, and I know immediately when you say that, the women are like, they drank too much, didn't they? And I was like, no, no, we didn't drink. We weren't looking at porn. We weren't doing anything like that. It was all about uh, loving the Lord with all of our hearts. We just loved him too much. We did. We just served the Lord. Joe, don't you think we just went over the top? It was too much God. It was just way too much God. It, it threw my back out. I, it did. I pulled a hamstring loving God too much. But it really, really was a great time. Um, and so much so that the, when the guys heard the message, they were like, listen, I need you to tell my wife this. And so uh, now I'm only joking. No, but none of the guys said that. But um, I had shared with the guys something that God had been sharing with me. And I think if you've been coming to Cross, uh, Crosstown enough, yeah, and if there's gaps in my words and it kind of seems like he just checked out for a moment, uh, it's because I didn't get any sleep. I was up at 1.30 in the morning um, moving truths from Kamchatka into Australia, dominating the world by playing risk with a bunch of guys in the middle of the night. Um, so if there's a little gap, just, just give me a little mercy this week. Um, but when, I, when God talks to me, when God writes things down, I'm not writing it down because I was thinking about Rick and, and like, like Rick sucks and I need to write a sermon to straighten Rick out. Or, you know what I mean? So not, Rick doesn't suck. Hey, that's him right there. He's a great guy. He probably drove the golf cart and you probably got a ride in today from Rick. But I don't, I don't play that. Um, sometimes there's general needs that I think that all of us together as followers of Christ may need to hear. But most of the times it's inspired by what God is telling me and what he's challenging me about. And so I shared it with the guys, but during the Uncommon series, I began to look at and evaluate my life about where am I going? What, have I, what am I doing? Is this is as godly as you can get? I mean, is this it? Uh, and so I began to evaluate. So I started looking into the scriptures at men of God that I thought that were, you know, because I really, I believe big in men. And I believe that men are called to lead and not that women don't lead, but I, I'm a dude, so I believe that God, men are supposed to be lean. And so I'm like, okay, how am I doing at 64? And so God led me to a story, or to a couple stories, about three kings. And these three kings God used to represent cycles in my life. And they will represent cycles in your life as well. 
Um, these were uh, these three kings represented different periods of growth with God, maybe some setbacks with God in my relationship with him. And um, the first king was David, and we all love David. David uh, screwed up a whole bunch. He uh, cheated on his wife, ended up having five wives, and then had a man murdered so he could have his wife, and then also was a crappy father, totally uh, abysmal as a father. But yet something about David learned mercy and forgiveness from God. That was like, this, that's what he got really well. That no matter how bad I screwed up my life, that there was always this, this opportunity from heaven, kind of an initiative for change called grace that he could always go to. And that he always had this softness with God, an honesty, a vulnerability before God, that when he messed up, he was so confident about the compassion, the love, and the mercy of God. And that is one of the things I'm really good at. Some guys um, are, are good intellectually. Some guys are good in philosophy. Some guys are good uh, with cars. I'm good with, with, with mercy and compassion of God towards my life. That's why I can share with you about things that I've gone through or things that I struggle with. And I know some of you are uncomfortable that I would admit to so many things, but I'm really not afraid of you. And, I, and, and I'm not really afraid of God since I've been forgiven by him. I revere him, but it's like I am, a, I am his son. He loves me. He has forgiven me. So my mistakes and my stupidity are not weapons you can use against me, and I don't use them against myself. David, I think, had that. So, I, so I, I've had that part of me. But I moved into what I would call my Solomon period of life. Solomon is a guy that we don't really talk a lot about other than the fact he was the wealthiest king probably ever on the face of the earth. And then one other fact is that he was the wisest person on the face of the earth. I mean, that God endowed him with um, the grace of his father, David. He inherits this kingdom from David, so he lives in grace. And then he gets all this wealth and he has this incredible wisdom. And that's usually all we talk about him. But if you read the book of Kings and you read the book of First Chronicles, you'll find out he was a royal screw up. He used all that wealth, he used all that wisdom, he used all that grace to plunge Israel into compromise. David's out there fighting Goliath, wanting to build the temple and just leading Israel to Jerusalem and kind of centralizing everything under the, the banner of God's grace and holiness. And then Solomon, it's kind of like me. It's kind of like maybe you as well. He inherits his wealth. He inherits his country. He gets the the grace of God as a Bible belter. He, he's told about how Jesus died on the cross and that one day, as a result of confessing Jesus as Lord, that he's going to go into heaven. But in the in-between, he messes it all up. He just messes up everything. He has like, I don't know, 300 wives and then 600 other women on speed dial and... Uh, that's a general mess up right there. Um, and then to keep all these ladies happy, 
he starts dabbling with other gods. So he starts bringing in the gods of the women that he is marrying and he's hanging out with and they begin to bring other gods. So before Solomon, there's this David who's focusing on Yahweh, the God of Israel, the great I am that I am. And then Solomon comes along and says, okay, we got Yahweh. Well, how about Asherim? Let's bring her in. Oh, how about the Baals of the Canaanites? Let's bring them in. How about Molech? Let's bring him in. And he begins establishing not only Yahweh, but he starts beginning to establish these other gods. And he creates altars to them that are called high places. See, Solomon does it. He has all this wisdom, but yet he brings all this duplicity into the nation. He tries to marry cultures. He tries to be a good American and a good Christian. You know, I mean, which is a really tough thing to marry together sometimes. He tries to uh, bring two cultures together. Matter of fact, it turns out that they, they, they tried to establish that Yahweh, which was presented as a masculine God, they bring in Asherim or Ashtoreth, and, and she's a female God, and they, they basically marry the two of them together. And I know that sounds really weird, um, uh, she was uh, a goddess of sex. And so he kind of brings her in because Yahweh is kind of outdated uh, and masculine. So we need to elevate the feminine. And so we got to change the masculine and, and all this other stuff. And it's like, that's really crazy stuff, isn't it? I mean, what culture would confuse the masculine and the feminine? What culture would possibly feel that it needs to cast down the masculine in order to exalt the feminine? Crazy stuff, must be paganish, but yet it goes on inside of his culture and he actually allows it to happen. So here he is, he's resting in grace and wisdom, but he uses it all to excuse himself because he's enlightened now. So 300 years begin to pass by, and, and as a result of Solomon, the kingdom is ripped in half. I mean, David has not even, his body has not even cooled yet. He's dead, and, it's, and all of a sudden, the, king's being, the kingdom's being ripped in half on Solomon's watch, the wisest man, the richest man. But because he allows duplicity and these other competitions to Yahweh to rise up, the things begin to fall apart. 300 years go by and and all the other kings, nobody really addresses this issue of duplicity and compromise. They begin sacrificing their children to other gods. They don't value the life of a child, so they begin sacrificing them. So, I mean, what kind of nation would do something like that? I don't know. So I look at all the mess that was going on. And again, God is speaking to me about it. He's not speaking to you about it when he's telling me. He's like, and God shows me, he said, you're Solomon. He said, you've inherited your wealth. And I don't mean gold and silver. I didn't inherit anything in that, that place. But it's like, you're part of this rich nation. Um, you know philosophy. You know Christianity. I know systematic theology. I know apologetics. Um, I, I know I, I'm like his professionally equipped 
to talk about God as most people can be about God. But yet, I was living my life with duplicity. It's like, because I could handle, I could handle it. I'm smarter than that. I'm enlightened. And so all this stuff begins to happen to Israel's life, and, and it's leading us to the third king. And this really made me hopeful, and you might have heard all this demise, and you might have gotten sad as you started applying it to your own personal life. But when I started hearing how screwed up Israel was, it really gave me hope. And the reason why is because it says to me that it doesn't matter how long your mess has been going on, restoration is possible. It doesn't matter how long you've been messing up your marriage, messing up our country, messing up your mind, messing up your walk with God, we're about to move into our third king. And what we're going to find out is that I don't care where you are in your life, if you're on your fifth marriage, um, I don't care if you're struggling with addiction, whatever mistakes that you have made, what we're about to learn from our third king that is that it does not matter how long your mess has been going on, restoration is possible with God. So now, a king that you probably have not even heard of is now my new Bible hero. Paul is up there. You know, he's got to be. I mean, but Paul's up there. But, I, well, Jesus, all right. Jesus is up there. Then Paul, but I was just taking Jesus out. Paul has been my guy. But now, enter Josiah. How many of you have ever heard of King Josiah? Could you raise your hand? Okay, not everybody. Uh, okay, well, good. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna learn about Josiah today. And I'm gonna call him the reformer. Because he's now in this three years of Solomon mess and then all the mess that has been allowed to continue into his life. Joshua is not, I mean, Josiah is not born into a kingdom or a culture seeking reform, okay? So just know that, that's a big, that's a big factor. And it doesn't matter, if you're waiting on America to, to want God, you don't have to wait on it. If you're waiting on your husband to want God, you don't have to wait on it. If you're waiting for your wife to come along and, and, and want God, you don't have to wait. And young adults, teenagers, if you're waiting on your mom and dad to want God, I'm telling you, you don't have to wait on it. That you can make a decision for your own life. So he doesn't come from a kingdom that's wanting to get it right. Matter of fact, his dad, King Amon, was described this way. And Amon did not humble himself before the Lord, but multiplied the guilt. Multiplied the guilt. So you take whatever Solomon did, and you take whatever all the other guys did, and then you end up with Josiah's dad. His dad not only did what they did, but exponentially built upon that. I mean, so this guy was really messing things up. He was not born into a Christian family. And I love it because we're, we're gonna hear all the things that he didn't have. And the reason why this is important is because God's removing excuses from you today. He's gonna kinda go into your heart and he's gonna be like, hey, I need you to give me that card, that get out of jail free card. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need that from you because we're gonna see Josiah, he had everything stacked against him. Culture, his family. Matter of fact, his family was so dysfunctional, like you may 
have in your family, that when he was a child, his servants conspired against his dad and stabbed him multiple times to death in their home. I, I, don't, know, I don't know. You might have seen your dra- dad drunk a couple times, maybe. You might have seen your dad hit somebody uh, a couple times at home. But here we got this guy and, he, and, and his dad is so hated by everybody that the servants collaborate together and they stab him to death. And then we're told Josiah becomes the king of Judah at the age of eight. Think about what you were doing at eight. I mean, seriously, I can't even remember what I was doing at eight. There's probably like Lincoln blocks involved uh, we had, they hadn't invented Hot Wheels yet, but I mean, there was, uh, at the age of eight, I don't think I was really focused on too much. The age of eight is in our children's church right now. But he becomes the king at the age of eight. So just stop and think about that for a second. Messed up dad, messed up nation, and he's eight years old, and now he's the king. So I, I want to say this in, a, in love, because remember, everything we can talk about today is because we understand David. We understand compassion. We understand Jesus. He died and gave us grace, not so that we could recline in it, but rather so that we could excel out into the world and into our worlds with this grace, so that we could be empowered by it. If, 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 if Christianity was Star Wars, then grace would be the force. See, we think grace is something that you get and then you go to heaven with. But Jesus came so that we would have grace upon grace upon grace so that we would experience abundant lives, that it would be a force for us to tackle the challenges of our life. That's what Josiah does. So I don't, I say this in complete grace, but I don't care how bad you have had it. I don't care what kind of mess you have made up, made in your life. Josiah, it was there. And I say this with, with love, because I've been here. I don't care what your dad did, or what your dad didn't do, or if you didn't, don't know who your dad is. Your story doesn't have to end with ruin. And too many of us are not moving like we'll see with Josiah. We're, we're living in duplicity because we're allowing our, our dads, alive or dead, our, mis, our failures, alive or dead, rent-free in our heads. And they become, the, they become the excuses on why we don't move forward with our lives. Are they real? Are they devastating? Were the victimizations we experienced evil? Absolutely. But yet... Once we understand grace and the power that it has in our lives, we can move forward. Your story doesn't have to live in ruin. And I'm gonna say it, and you can get angry for me to saying it, but stop pitying yourself. That's a high place. Yahweh calls you to do one thing. Jesus calls you to do one thing, but yet I had it real rough. I'm gonna bow to how rough I had it. I do this all the time. My back starts hurting. My leg starts falling asleep. My neck stops bothering me. I get angry. I get 
I become a jerk. I start snapping at people. I don't want to live anymore. I curl up. I want to find somebody with some extra Oxycontin so I can just get high for the day. See, I told you I would be honest, but unashamed because I am empowered by grace. But I have those feelings too. It's like I have enough reasons for me to just curl up and die, but that's not what grace tells me to do. Grace says, pull down the high places. Challenge those things in your life. End the blaming. Forgive the past. Give grace to the people in your past. So now let's move on to Josiah when he really can get stuff done, right? I mean, how old is he going to have to be for that? 30, 32, maybe 40? Let's get it done, Josiah, ready to roll. At the age of 16... Josiah began to seek the God of his father, David, 16 years old. Again, where were you at 16? Age is irrelevant to the power of reform. I don't care if you're 75. I don't care if you're seven. I don't care if you're 17. I don't care if you're 27. I'm just going to stay with sevens all day. I don't care if you're 47, it does not matter what your age is. Josiah is being used as an example because he wants to call us all out. He wants to strip the excuses. If we have Jesus, if Jesus died, forgave our sin and rose from the grave on the third day, what excuses do we have? I mean, we should be living life. Well, the devil, oh please. Well, he's a punk. I mean, really, he's, he's a punk when it comes to the power of forgiveness, to the power of the resurrection. Is he real? But yeah, but pull him down. Don't give him a high place. Look at Josiah. He just, he starts getting after it. At the age of 20, 20 years old, when everybody else was in a frat party, Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the bales. Josh, Josiah gets after it. Josiah decides that anything that steals his allegiance from Yahweh, the God of Israel, from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, anything that, that robs his allegiance, he's like, I'm pulling it down. He's not asking them this question, is, is it right or it's wrong? You know, and that's what we do. I mean, how much weed do I smoke before it becomes a sin? You know, how many bottles of wine can I drink before it becomes a problem? Josiah is like, here's what Josiah is doing. He's running around Jerusalem and he's anything that's a statue that looks like it was shaped into something, you know, um, he turns it over and if it, when he takes his scanner out and he scans the barcode on the bottom, if it doesn't pop up Yahweh, it gets destroyed. And he starts going through everything that doesn't have, have Yahweh on it. It, it, it just, it gets ripped down. It gets destroyed. See, we need to get radical about eliminating things that are competing in our lives against God. And it can be anything. I mean, it's, it's amazing what we can turn we don't need golden calves. We don't need totem poles. 
We turned anything into a competing allegiance against God, a high place. How about your job? That can become a high place. Everything you do is based upon your job. How much time you spend with your kids, how much time you spend with your spouse, how often you come to church, how you use your money, everything determined by your job. How about sports? You know, it's like, well, there's a golf tournament on Sunday. Okay. It's like, yeah, I'm going to the golf tournament instead of church. Okay, I'm just, just asking, unless you're a professional golfer, you know, is golf getting in the way? And you would have to decide for that. I can't even imagine golf getting in the way. I mean, I just, it, it, I cannot think of a worse way to spend four hours and 150 bucks than playing the game of golf. But I'm all behind you guys. Enjoy it if you like to do it. Don't worry, I got stupid coming out in all kinds of ways. Um, how, about, uh, how about porn? Well, that was, that's too easy. Uh, everybody's like, oh, yeah. Um, how about, um, oh, yeah, I got one. How about this? Okay? There is no object, no created thing that has ever been manufactured by the hands of humans that has distracted the human brain, mind, and soul and influenced it more than the little ashram and Baal and Moloch you got in your back pocket. Okay, well, it's like, no, I use it for tracking my kids. Oh, let's talk about that. Maybe they're your high place. But can I just say how crazy, and I'm just telling on myself and how stupid we are. Uh, oh, I love it. I got a little picture of uh, my grandbaby right there. You know, okay. So these things can be used for a lot of good things. But let me just tell you this. If you give this to a 12-year-old, and I know you're about to go to Seacoast after I talk today. Um, and and, and Seacoast, let me just be clear, is an amazing church, okay? But just because I'm gonna tick you off so much, um, if you're giving this object with all of its functionality to a 12-year-old, you might as well just put a golden calf in their bedroom, okay? I mean, uh, it's like, well, I trust my kids. <laughs> what are you, stupid? I'm not trying to be ugly here. I trust your kid too. I trust that your 17-year-old boy wants to look at naked girls. He's supposed to want to look at naked girls. I mean, seriously. I mean, that means everything's working the right way. Okay? Your 12-year-old girl is going to go on this phone and evaluate her body and her life based upon what she sees on this phone. And you know what? We got psycho 35-year-old and 40 moms putting filters on their pictures and then putting them on Facebook because you don't dare to be seen on Facebook without a, with a wrinkle in your face. You're falling for it too. And your little 12-year-old girl sees mom put up pictures. My mom doesn't look like that. You know? Kim Kardashian doesn't even dare to put unfiltered photos on Instagram. And then when she does, some troll comes along and tears her up. I'm telling you, you get sex through this, you get politics through it, you get philosophy through it. And, and, 
And if it was a small thing, I mean, if this was like, um, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know, like uh, Bose speakers, you know, I, I wouldn't be ranting. I, I love technology. But guys, this takes us to every wicked place in the world. And we give it to our children as a bar mitzvah. You know, coming of age as a man and a woman, we give them a phone. But I do too. I mean, I, I'm, I don't even want to look at what my, my uh, time on my phone is. But you know, you'll, you'll go anyplace. Go to an airport. Have you ever noticed how quiet airports are these days? Why? Because nobody's talking. Everybody's on their phone. You know, mom, dad, junior, uh, sissy, and, uh, and everybody's on their phones, just going through the phones. And it's, it's like, this is crazy. So that could be one. Um, we, we have gender gods. We have sex gods in America. We not only have gender gods, we're like Solomon because we don't just have like Yahweh and Baal. We now have a thousand different genders. We have lost our minds. We, we've, got every, we've got all this. There are some tr- translations of the Bible that no longer says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's now our universal God who art in heaven because we need to marry the feminine with the masculine. We can't have a, a God who is a father, oppressive, patriarchal, which he is none of that in the sense of how we think of it. He is greater than all that. But in America, um, we, we, we worship sex. Uh, we have high places. But Solomon, what, so what did Solomon do? He was like me. He's, he's, he can handle it because he's wise, you know, because he knows what's really going on. And he could balance evil and um, uh, uh, good in his life. He could control it, just like you and I. We're enlightened. Um, so in, in my own personal life, and, and I, I hate it when I admit to something and maybe my wife finds out about it while she's working in nursery, you know, she's like, what, did he just say that? You know, but, but yeah, I think she might have found it. So I'm wise. I'm a good man. I've raised three beautiful daughters, got three amazing uh, uh, son-in-laws, got uh, five incredible grandchildren. I'm a pastor of a church. Um, uh, I don't drink except for on holidays. I don't smoke weed. Um, I'm good to, the, to my neighbor. I'm, I'm a pretty decent guy until you put Netflix in my hand, okay? And so I'm wise beyond my years. I'm Solomon, I'm rich. Me and Susan love anything that has to deal with the history of England, whether it's Downton Abbey, Jane Austen, or Vikings Valhalla. (laughs) And so we're watching Vikings Valhalla, which is, I mean, it's so masculine. It's so amazing, so awesome. And I will, we will watch it, and I'll have the remote in my hand because I know it's rated MA, and it said uh, violence, gore, sex, nudity, all right? Even the pagan has decided to warn the godly because the godly is stupid, so, and I'm referring to me, not you, and, and I mean that. So we'll watch it, and all of a sudden, there'll be like 
there'll be like some nuance in the movie. I can tell when sex is about to happen in movies and at home. I can tell. I, 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, to the chagrin of my children, they can too. And they're like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll get the remote. And then uh, Susan, because she is the most amazing, purest woman. I mean, since, you know, she just really is. I'm not making this up. She'll cover her eyes or she'll leave the room. And what I will do, because I'm Solomon and I'm wise, I will step the remote through the, the scenes. So I'm now watching, you know, like, and I'll get her to the other side of it. So I'll, but somebody's got to see the frame. I can do that. I've got, I've got experience with porn. I know what it looks like and I know when it's over. And so there I, so, so I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be crass. This is the, this is the mind I live in. And so, so I'm stepping it through, boom, 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 and get to the end. And then we hit play again, and we're back to fighting people and, and killing the uh, villagers of, of uh, Wessex. Uh, and then I'll stop it again, and we'll all sit down. Okay, that's how it, because I could handle that. It was one, one day, it was like, she goes up to bed, getting ready for bed. You know, that takes a little bit of time sometimes. And um, I'll be up right up, honey. It's like, man, that one hot woman that that Canute of Norway was hooking up with, I need to go back and see that. And there I am while she's brushing her teeth and taking off her makeup. Her Solomon is down there rewinding it and going back through it again. Why? Because I can handle it. Because I can handle MA. Because I'm wise and I'm enlightened. Guys, I'm not... This is Solomon. And you right now may be in a place where you're handling something you can't handle. You think you're wise enough where you can handle, you're mature enough, or you're enlightened. You really know what's going on here. See, Solomon thought God's grace was permission for him to accommodate compromise. That's me. It's like, oh, I am so sure that he loves me. I live unashamed. But I, I wasn't using that as a power to move forward and to become holy, I was using it as an excuse, as an umbrella for me to do whatever I wanted to do. Not Josiah. Not this 16-year-old, 20-year-old kid. So Josiah begins tearing down stuff. But I want you to hear how thorough he executes. And this is what God wanted me to know about. It says, and they tore down the altars. That would have been enough for most people. He broke them into pieces and ground them to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. Then he dug up and burned the bones of the priests on their altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem. See, I like the way Chris said it at the men's retreat. What we do is we see compromise and we feel bad about it. And what do we do? We put an out of order sign on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to be doing that. When God is challenging us, you need to tear that down. Or we renovate it. We enclose it with drywall. 
in the wall, but it's still there. But Josiah, we're told, he not only tore him down, he broke, he ground him into powder, he scattered it on the graves, and he burned the bones of the priests. We let breadcrumbs remain. We go halfway. We think we can handle a little bit of compromise. But I love Josiah. Now, I also like using illustrations that really resonate with your soul and with your mind. And I also try to use illustrations that I know that you'll take away from here and that whenever you're in another situation, whether it's in the realm of science or nature or art, all of a sudden when you see this object, you will all of a sudden remember this sermon. So let me give you one. What Josiah did was he went Waffle House on the pagan gods and the high places. If you've ever gone to Waffle House and you've ever ordered um, the uh, hash browns, you're gonna be asked how you want your hash browns. And here's how you can respond. Scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, diced, peppered, capped, and topped. That's all the way. And when it came to Josiah, when it came to compromise, when he came to anything that competed with his allegiance, didn't even have to be sin, just anything that stole his heart from God, he went Waffle House on it. He broke it down, he scattered it, he burned it. I mean, he not only did that, he, he eliminated even those who were the influencers. He dug up the bones of the dead priests of Baal and crushed them and burned them. See, it's not even just enough to get that one thing out of your life, but you need to go after the influencer also. That's why I would say if you're a teenage mom or dad and your daughter is dating some 17-year-old schmuck, you need to take that influencer out of your daughter's life. Oh, you can't do that, that's crazy. It's like, well, okay then you let that 17-year-old boy determine the quality of your daughter's life. You know, uh, <laughs> I was a little psycho as a dad. Uh, I, I broke some cell phones. A couple cell phones ended up sticking out of walls because I threw them so hard. I remember Dawn was dating this boy. It's like second date. And I knew he was smoking weed because I'm an uh, aficionado when it comes to the smell of cannabis. And so I, I, could, I could smell the cannabis on this guy. And, and so um, uh, I just happened to be driving in traffic and I noticed this car in front of me and I noticed it was the, this guy's car. And Dawn was about 17 years of age. And, and uh, so I called her. I said, hey, Dawn, how's your evening going? Good. And, I, and I'm like, so what you doing? And she was like, oh, we're over at a friend's house. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I know she's in the car in front of me on Wallenberg Drive. And uh, all of a sudden, I start flashing my high beams. And uh, she got quiet. And I said, hey, uh, how about that guy flashing his high beams in your back light, back window, huh? Yes, Dad. I'm like, you have a great time tonight, honey. And he ended up turning around and taking her back to the house. See, you not only need to deal with the wrong, you need to deal with the influencers also. So maybe for some of us, we can't handle Netflix. Netflix and Amazon are the two largest distributors of pornography in the world, okay? Just wanna let you know. 
You can get there from there. You can get to porn from Netflix. You can get there. So, so for some of us, it does get between us and Yahweh. Then it needs to be crushed, tore down, smothered, uh, whatever. I mean, it's got, it's got to be removed. And it needs, we need to do family this way. It's like, well, yeah, but I don't want my kids to hate me when they grow up. Um, I've never found a kid that hated their parents because they loved them so much. Um, and if you're going to lose them anyway, because you're going to lose them, then you might as well lose them trying to do the will of the Lord in their lives. Well, you can't make them. That's not, I, I'm sorry, I know I've really gone off. But uh, can I just borrow you guys just for a second? How many of you have cell phones? Okay, you're, no, no, don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's how you use it that's the problem. Okay, um, do you pay for your cell phone? Okay, you don't. Mom, dad? Okay, do you pay for your cell phone? No, mom or dad? Okay, and who else raised their hand? Okay, mom or dad paying your cell phone? Okay, anybody here paying their own cell phone bill? Whoa, look at you, girl. <laughs> you can work for me. Yeah, I mean... But do you see my point is? Is that we're the ones leading them there. It's not the 17-year-old boy. It's not Vikings Valhalla. We're the influencers, and we're leading them. So I, I, I know this was a lot to throw on you, um, but the guys were able to take it, and I, I'm sure everybody can take it uh, in their lives. Um, okay, I can't do it. I can't do it all. So, so let me, let me uh, get us to a good place. Remember, God wrote this sermon in me because of me. I don't think I have arrived. Like I told you, I'm as much Solomon as anybody in this room. I know the grace of God, but I have compromised it repeatedly. And now God's like, hey, you ready to get serious with me? It's like, yeah. It's like, then you're going to have to stop this. You're going to have to tear that down. You're going to have to cancel your subscription to that. Are you willing to do that, even if everybody else thinks you're a weirdo? Yeah, I'm willing to do it. Jo Josiah ends up dying for this. I mean, he was so radical after God. I mean, he was ready to, any enemy came into his territory, he went to war with that enemy. And he dies at the age of 39. 39, that's a kid. But he died living his whole life in the pursuit of God. I mean, he, he threw it all in there. And God's calling us through his death and his resurrection, not to just live forgiven, but to live under the power of the force, the grace of God, to begin to challenge things in the world around us. Now, Josiah dies, and what happens to Israel? It goes to hell in a handbasket. He died, and it's like, wait a minute. So you're telling me he didn't get rich? No. You're telling me he didn't grow old? No. You're telling me that his kids didn't follow him? No. What's that tell you right there? You either are in it for God or you're not in it.
No matter hell or high water, regardless of the country, regardless of what your husband does, regardless of what your wife does, regardless of your kid, that you're gonna make a decision, I am going hard after God. If it doesn't make me any money, if it doesn't heal my back, if it doesn't fix everything around me, I don't care. I want all God can give me. I wanna serve God. So as we move into communion, maybe God's challenging you today because I know I'm not the only one who watched Vikings Valhalla. What did you do when the nude scenes came on? I'm not, I, my biggest problem, and, I, and I'll tell you the most active problem I have right now in my life. I'm not looking at porn. Uh, I'm not smoking weed. I don't drink. You know, again, it's the front holidays. Um, uh, you know what my greatest high place is right now? And I'm telling you this. It's not my dad. I resolved that with Jesus and with my father. Is my past. The memories of sin. Sometimes I can just sit someplace and a Bon Jovi song comes on. The cars come on. Uh, Brian Adams' song comes on. And I think about that girl back when I was 18 years old. Think about that party. Think about all the fun that we used to have riding around on motorcycles and doing lines of cocaine and being invincible. And, and, and sometimes I will... I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not doing, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I am not doing any of those things, but they are high places in my memory that as my body hurts, and as I get older, I remember the good old days. The nerve that I would call those moments, the good old days, and I say, that God is good. That is putting an idol and marrying the word good with evil and with God. That's a high place. So now I've decided that whenever Bon Jovi comes on, uh, it's not really, it wasn't Bon Jovi, it was Van Halen. Whenever Van Halen comes on, and I love it, love the guitar, love all of it, love the pump, love all that, for me and for my house, I gotta turn it off. Why? Because it's a high place. And I was supposed to tear it down, break it up, grind it up, and burn it. I cannot listen to Van Halen and not reminisce of my days gone by. So just like you, I have to choose every single day, will I allow things in my life that I scan that have don't say Yahweh because I've got Asherim in me and I've got Baal in me and I've got some Moloch in me and you do too you do too and God wants us to get radical eight year old radical 16 year old radical 20 year old radical 39 year old radical he wants us to begin to tear down the stuff that's getting in the way of us living a fulfilled life. 
having all of him. Father, as we come to communion, you offer us your body and your blood, not so that we can snack on grace, but that we would know that you have overpowered everything that comes against us. That you have forgiven us for all our past. You have challenged every high place. And that you rose again on the third day so that we would not only have eternal life, but that we would live with the power of grace. That we would live without shame, that we would live under grace, but above reproach. God, help every one of us. Help every one of us. You love every one of us. You cherish us. But you're telling us, and you're probably telling the church of the United States of America today, I will have no false gods before me. So tear them down. God, I don't have to go to the Republican Party or go to the Democratic Party. I don't have to go to the White House or to Hollywood to find a, an idol. I don't have to even go on the internet. They are alive and well inside of my soul. And so today, in a place of mercy and forgiveness and unashamedness, you call me to walk out, reform by the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. We thank you, God. Let me invite you that if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, if you've decided on God, um, we invite you to communion. If you don't know Jesus Christ is Lord, some of our pastors stand in the back corner of the church and we invite you to go and to discover the God whose name is Yahweh, who is Jesus, who is Father and Spirit. And we want you to meet him. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, but not just to go to heaven so that every part of your life can be saved as you respond to him.